0: Hers is the voice of folk music and protest music of the 1960s and 70s, and hers, too, the voice for civil rights and peace. Joan Baez takes her new album on tour in early March, but last month she visited the California State Assembly to mark the 70th anniversary of the crash of a plane sending migrant workers back to Mexico. For decades, Baez has sung Deportee, the song Woody Guthrie wrote about it, over those years, her voice has changed, her passions have not. This is your last formal tour.
1: Years ago when I asked my vocal coach, when, I, you know, when will I know it's time to quit? And he said, your voice will tell you. And it's just gotten more and more difficult to do what I need to do to keep the voice even respectable. I mean, the high, high range is gone. Um, And the lower range is, actually, I like it right now. It's kind of a reflection of this last 60 years (laughs) on the road, (laughs) oh boy. And then uh, other things, I wanna paint and spend a little time trying to shut up and be quiet.
0: Uh, She is here with Professor uh, Tim Hernandez from the University of Texas El Paso to commemorate the anniversary that we commemorated earlier in the day, the plane wreck at Los Gatos. She has sung those songs and she has made the marches with everyone in our history, in the United States, whether it was Martin Luther King Jr. in the south, or Cesar Chavez and Dolores Huerta here in the state of California. So it is my pleasure to introduce Joan Baez. Now, you were in Sacramento last month on the mm-hmm. anniversary, 70th anniversary of the crash of the plane sending the migrant workers back to Mexico, yeah. about which you've sung the Woody Guthrie song.
2: Goodbye to my one, goodbye Rosalita, adios mis amigos, Jesús y María.
0: Now politically you have not been invisible shall we say you went Yay. to <laughs> you you went to occupy wall street you've been to women's marches what is it that you think is important that you should be there
1: i imagine if, if there were a huge issue about which i was passionate about which i thought would be important for me to do be back on the streets quote unquote and end up in jail. I'm sure that I would let that happen. At the moment, that's not where I feel my place is. It's more about painting and doing something very within reach, which was going up to Sacramento and to go and, and, and celebrate brown people and their suffering and, and immigration was important. And I'll try to do those things as often as I can.
0: Your singing was really a Backstage, all access paths to all these great matters and great people of the world.
1: You're absolutely right, And, and for that, I'm just eternally grateful. And yeah, I mean, part of it's the voice, and then obviously part of it is how I decided to use it. And so, yeah, I've met the most extraordinary people, and that's what's made my life rich. Singing has been wonderful, but the real richness of it has come by being out there doing the things that I did often when I thought nobody else was going to be doing them
2: Hi.
0: Is it just me, or with some rare exceptions, we don't hear a lot of political music nowadays? Musicians make speeches, but the music isn't necessarily doing it for them.
1: Well, here's what I think about the music. I think that what you and I, and most kids even still, they're waiting for what we had for a 10-year period in the 60s and 70s, which was this explosion of talent and the politics that I think urged it along, and activity, and togetherness, and grew, I call it. We really had a movement. And right now there are many movements, and that's what we need. We can't do a big movement right now, I don't think. Um, I think for one thing, I think it's symbolic that I, I, an anthem has not been written, um, and you can't really have a sing-along without an anthem. I mean, how do you get a we shall overcome in a blowing in the wind? It's part genius, it's part urgency. And, I mean, a lot of people write a lot of songs. But to get that one um, that makes the glue is not an easy thing. You know, what I have seen that's, that's positive is the numbers of people who've never really gotten off their couches before for just about anything. So there are some extraordinarily progressive things going on. Then the other night I heard, stop me if you want, (laughs) I heard um, George Will and Michael Moore on two separate shows saying exactly the same thing, that our only hope in this country to make it livable again, to make it a place you can dream, is really up to the people who are at the bottom of the pyramid, who are willing to sacrifice a lot of things and eventually I'm sure civil disobedience and the stuff we're facing now, which is every day another blast, every day another catastrophe. How do you make a movement and keep up with that? Which is a big question. How do you learn to speak the way the conservatives speak, which is which outspeaks the progressives ten to one? I mean they know how to talk, they know how to destroy a little saying. I mean the ultimate of that is how did the cradle of civilization become the the axis of evil? And we don't know how to talk like that. Not that we should, but we're being outfoxed. Um, probably very much from forty years of think tanks the conservatives have had. In a sense, it's not Trump so much as it is a coming of of this program that they've been looking for, and and searching for and creating.
2: In Charleston in the month of June The mourners gathered in a room The president came to speak some words And the cameras rolled and the nation heard But no words could say what must be said For all the living and the dead So on that day and in that place The president sang Amazing Grace The president sang Amazing Grace
0: looking at the songs on the new album, I see songs like the president sang Amazing Grace about President Obama at the memorial for the victims of Emmanuel AME. There's Whistle Down the Wind, the lyrics, let your voices carry, drown out all the rain, light a patch of darkness. Is there a message, a coherent message from all of these songs in the album that you want it to carry with it and with you? You know, I think we what we set out to do
1: was make a bookend, really, for the first album, which was in 59. Um, and so it's it's very similar in the sense that some are just flat-out ballads, Silver Blade, which is the bookend of Silver Dagger. And then some obviously fell into my lap, like that president song, um, it, that it was so right for me. You know, the songs fall into my lap, and most of the ones that I hear the first time and and think, I can do this. But it, it is really trite and really true that the songs choose me.
2: I have myself a silver blade, the edge is sharp, the handle bone, little thing of silver made. Now it's the only thing I own. you fine heard him whistle as he rode bold enough to call him mine upon his horse
0: you've seen the the empowerment of the women's marches and the me too movement did you have a me too story of your own
1: um they're everywhere i mean i if i had i would talk about it later on in my life if there is a much later <laughs> I think there will be. But I think the movement is long overdue and very exciting for women who really held that stuff in for years. It's sort of like the LGBT fight. That happened so quickly. I mean, the gay fight took way, way, way longer. And then the LGBT fight was just happened, I thought, very suddenly. Um, and this... Me Too movement happened even more suddenly. And I don't know what that means, but um, it's interesting and it's good. I mean, obviously there's huge progress. um, And obviously there needs to be more. And I think women are emboldened now. In my distance from a lot of suffering that women have been through that I didn't have to go through, for instance, in the music business, And women tried to get jobs. They tried to be engineers. They tried to just work there for some kind of equal pay. I didn't have those concerns because it doesn't matter with a star what your sexuality is. So I didn't have those struggles that other women had.
0: You remember the nuclear doomsday clock that moved according to the degree of risk of nuclear war. What if we had a, a humanist clock? Where would it be on environment and nonviolence and women's rights?
1: Well, I think it would be chugging along. It wouldn't be anywhere near where the doomsday needle is, which keeps going back and forth between, I guess, a minute and a half, and <laughs> a minute, you know. Um, I hate to think we'd be back with the troglodytes, I read something the other day saying it's a waste of time to be pessimist. <laughs> so I'm working on it, you know. Sometimes I think it, I'm not a glass half-empty person. I'm all empty and holding it upside down. But I think that maybe right now the littler victories are even more important than they ever were. Because in a sense, that almost is the glue. I mean, I hear so many young kids, and they don't get written about in the paper, who I, I, they do amazing things for other people. I mean, they get in a plane and go to a country they've never known before to go and work with orphans.
0: A lot of people don't know that you've parted company with the catechism of the left. You criticized the unified Vietnam for human rights abuses. I think you told Rolling Stone a rubber hose beating is a rubber hose beating no matter who's administering it.
1: Yeah, uh- And I criticized at that moment it was the North Vietnamese because the left had really idealized them, you know, and I was there. And like anywhere, first of all, it's not what you dream and you want it to be. But, yeah, I was, the left was infuriated with me because they said, well, you shouldn't say this now. (laughs) Um, And I guess I thought that's when you should say it. And so it was really, very really funny because William Buckley and, you know, in the far right thought I'd really come home to reason. <laughs> and then the next outing was to Latin America where I was banned everywhere and I lost my right-wing status <laughs> pretty quickly. <laughs> Did
0: very that quick. bother you?
1: No, was, no, not at all. <laughs> if you're fighting both sides at once, you know you're doing something right. Please.
0: When people talk to you, and inevitably they will say, wow, I really appreciate what you did or you changed my life about, what? what's that fill-in-the-blank that you hear from people? The
1: nice thing is that very few people just say, I really like your voice. It's meant more to them, and a lot of people say it's brought them the courage to do whatever. I mean, often public things that they were afraid to do. I ran into an airplane pilot from Vietnam who gave me the little wings he had on his lapel and he said, you were right and I was wrong. I mean that's pretty heavy stuff. I met one another one who said boy I hated you in the 60s and boy was I wrong.
0: I mean that took years. The kind of music now, anybody with an iPhone can really record a music video and put it on YouTube. The Gatekeeper's yeah. are different or are almost gone now. How how do you think that's changed music?
1: Oh, I never know the answer to that question because music changed on its own. Um, you know, it's almost as though that circles come all the way around. When I started singing folk music, part of it was um, kind of a backlash against what we call bubblegum music. You know, that was, how much is that doggy in the window? You know, um and then there was so much meaning to the, the folk movement for me and eventually for us. And, and it led into the anthems for the political action. It led into rock and roll. Back when I was in junior high school, we had the girls' glee club or the girls' talent show. They lip-synced, how much is that doggy in the window? <laughs> That's about as low as you can get. You know.
0: I read you were disappointed in Barack Obama's presidency. That's the only thing people read about what I said. I was well. Well, know, then exp- do flush it out.
1: Yeah, um, we all get disappointed when somebody isn't perfect, um, and I was, you know, upset about issues, Afghanistan, immigration, and then I look at this guy and I think, oh my God, he was a human being. He was bright. He was cultured. He was maybe too much of an intellectual. I mean, my feeling was always that I wish he had stayed on the streets. He's the only person who could have made that movement, I think.
0: Um, As an organizer. As
1: an organizer, yeah. I mean, I just burst into tears remembering, partly by contrast from what we have now, the simple kindness and empathy that he brought to so many things.
0: You don't write many songs. I haven't written anything in 27
1: years except Nasty Man.
0: Well, that's what I wanted to ask you, why Donald Trump gets the honor of (laughs) breaking (laughs) your 27-year non-songwriting track record.
1: And he was so inspiring. (laughs) I mean, I could have written another 30 verses. You just had to stop somewhere. Well,
2: that's my little song about a man gone from his head to his feet. And the dirt on this man finally hits the fan And the one gives a damn
0: about his uh, It's on YouTube. What kind of responses have you been seeing to it?
1: Well, there were seven million hits. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Woody Guthrie had a sticker on his guitar that said, this machine kills fascists, and I know you're against killing anybody. Yep. So what would your sticker on your guitar read? Well, you know the story
1: about my guitar, don't you, and the inside of it? No. When I I took it in to be fixed one time, somebody had, whatever, poked a hole in it. So periodically you take it in, and you have wherever you are in the country, whoever's their best guitar fixer, that's where you take it. And this guy, apparently, two fixed it, took it apart first, and inside was written, Too bad you're a communist. <laughs> That's a great story. How
0: did that happen, I wonder? Oh, just some,
1: you know, reactionary, conservative, whatever, um, working in a guitar shop, and he was just venting his feelings and, on the inside of the guitar.
0: Is it still in there?
1: It is, and when they made... They made copies for me um, celebrating Newport, a uh, limited edition. And this they was put, the
0: Newport Festival. They put it in
1: a uh, folk festival. And they put that in each one, and they put a little dentist light so you could see it. <laughs> <laughs> mirror, dentist mirror. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, speaking of dentists, do you really have a gold tooth with a diamond in it? I do,
1: and a diamond fell out <gasps> the other day, and I was munching. And I thought, oh, my God, a chipped tooth. I was horrified. But it was a little diamond, and I spat it out. I couldn't believe
0: it, and I took it to my dentist and think you'd glue this thing back in. <laughs> <laughs> what, what are you hoping to get from this tour?
1: Oh, I, I'm hoping to really, really fully enjoy my tour family. Most of them have been with me for at least five years. I'm hoping to say goodbye to places that have been really good to me for the last 50 years. Um, places I've gone back to many times. And then there are a few places that are special to me because of political action I was involved in back then, like Belfast and um, Istanbul and Sarajevo and Bratislava. Um, Those are not exactly big moneymakers, but those are places I want to
0: just go back. You were in Sarajevo when things were hot and heavy.
1: Yes, I was. Yeah. In
0: fact, sometimes I think,
1: in retrospect, it was one of the most, it was was maybe the most dangerous place I'd ever been.
0: Is there now still any place where you and your music are banned?
1: Oh, that's a good question.
0: Probably, <laughs> I would be I'd be insulted if it if it were. <laughs> because, like the well, saying, it means,
1: that, it means there's a conflict on and that's making people think.
0: Joan Baez, thank you so much. You're
2: welcome. Bye-bye. Bye now. May God's blessing
0: Pat Morrison Asks is produced for the Los Angeles Times by Pat Morrison. It's engineered by Tim French and Rachel Laralde and edited by Annie Chelsea. The Sacramento audio is from the California State Assembly. Joan Baez's music is from her new album, Whistle Down the Wind, from a live 1975 concert, from the album Diamonds and Rust and from Joan Baez recordings on Vanguard, A&M, CBS Records and Proper Records Label and on YouTube. Subscribe to Pat Morrison Asks and never miss a podcast.
2: Forever young May you grow up to be righteous May you grow up to be true May you always know the truth and see the light surrounding you. May you always be courageous. Stand.